0: Who is he? Hey, how's it going? You're crazy! What is he? You're crazy, huh? Where does he come from? <clears> he <throat> kill us all! he kill us all! Keep away! No! Keep away from me! Look out! Watch out! It's Stark Dog Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. My name is Scott Gardner and I'm all solo this week. Sorry we haven't had an episode out in a while, guys. Unfortunately, Back to the Bins just kind of falls back to the back burner from time to time for us. But I'm going to work on that. As a matter of fact, I'm strongly thinking about possibly just uh just making this a solo show or at least just a solo show whenever we can't uh meaning Michael and I Michael Bailey and I can't seem to get together for an episode. We do have some special type things in mind, you know, special episodes that we'd still like to get to, you know, the much discussed uh Batman versus the Hulk. We'd still really like to do a uh how to collect comics um segment, kind of a kind of a crash course for beginners just getting into comics, that sort of thing um we've discussed several different projects that we'd like to do it's just a matter of the weekly grind the weekly format that we normally do yeah it just it it sadly it's just had to take a back burner you know he's got a lot of stuff going on i've got a lot of stuff going on and uh at the moment tales is about all we can seem to manage on a regular um weekly basis for the both of us but I love this show. I really do enjoy doing it, and uh, I know you guys really enjoy it as well. So, I don't want it to die. Um, I don't want it to be dead. So, what I may do from time to time is just uh, crank out the, uh, the occasional solo episode, and you guys can uh, let me know. Judge for yourselves, and then let me know what you think of the solo efforts. I will do my best. You know, I, I don't have a whole heck of a lot of experience with solo podcasting. That's really more Michael's thing. But, you know, I've always wanted to to try my hand at it. I've had an idea in my head for a long time to do, you know, more solo podcasting. I just, I don't know. I, I find that being paired up with someone else really helps me keep a timetable. When I'm left to my own devices to do the solo thing, I'm just, you know, I'm a lazy bastard by nature. So it just, a lot of times it doesn't happen. I mean, look at, you know, Jonah Hex, the Jonah Hex podcast. I mean, I haven't had an episode out in, what, like over a year it's just pitiful. I mean, I really love that character, and he deserves much better than me as a podcaster, you know, to get out regular episodes. But that show is not really dead either. Uh, it's just a matter of me, you know, really falling back into a routine and and just getting it done. So I'm going to be working on that. I promise. Anyway, I got a comic book that I brought to the table today. As a matter of fact, I just finished reading it, and I thought it was worth talking about. So. Here you go with a brand spanking new episode of Back to the Bins. Remember, you asked for it. All right, anyway, we're looking this week at, and this is a great old comic book. We're going all the way back to April, May 1977. No month on this one because this is a special issue. This is DC Special, Volume 7, according to the indicia. That doesn't really mean anything. It's DC Special. Number 27, and you're asking yourself, what the hell issue is that? This is DC Special Presents Captain Comet in Danger, Dinosaurs at Large. This is an all-new spectacular, The Incredible Dinosaur Invasion of 1977. It has an awesome cover on it by Rich Buckler and Joe Rubinstein it shows uh this great big uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex in the middle of a city rampaging and you've got uh Captain Comet swooping in to bop it in the jaw and then down below you've got this really freaky looking it's it's a you know it's a humanoid guy with a Tyrannosaurus Rex head so he looks you know both awesome and ridiculous at the same time and he's fighting these dudes that I seriously thought were the challengers of the unknown. As you'll find out in the story, it's not the challengers at all, but that's who I thought they were on the cover. So I was surprised to find out uh, who these guys really are in the course of the story. Really nice uh, opening splash page here. It's one of these ones that's uh, it's divided by a uh, vertical stripe. Um, no, uh, it's a... Uh, diagonal stripe I'm sorry a diagonal stripe where the top half of it is um, and by the way the coloring is uh, totally off on this it looks like they had some sort of printing error. it almost looks like a photo negative it's really strange but it actually kind of adds to what the story is about it shows Captain Comet and he's in battle with Kronos the time thief as this uh, portal behind him is disgorging uh, dinosaurs and a woolly mammoth and stuff And in the bottom half of the picture, we've got the same, we've got the rest of the same time portal, but it's in a totally different place. And it's disgorging that dinosaur man I was talking about before. And again, he's battling a guy that I thought was one of the challengers of the unknown. And it's, it's just the, basically the setup page. And it gives all the credits Uh, right around. This one is Bob Razakis. Uh, Rich Buckler Penciler, Joe Rubenstein Inker, Joe, and I'm never sure how to pronounce this guy's name. It's either Serp or Serpe. It's uh, S E R P E. Serpy? Serp? I, I have no idea. And Milt Snapin is letterer. And the story starts with uh, a beautiful, it's a two page splash. And it's, again, it's cut diagonally by this comet that's going through the middle of the page. And on the lower half, in the beginning of the, the story, Starts out on the Justice League satellite, 22,300 miles above the Earth, where Captain Comet is hanging out with Hawkman, and they're comparing notes about how much their lives suck, and they're really glad to have found each other as friends, because Captain Comet's life sucks, because he's DC's first mutant, born 100,000 years ahead of his time, and he feels kind of lonely. Hawkman's life sucks, because, well, he's Hawkman. Luke Giaconetti's gonna hate me for that. Anyway... The top half of the story has these dudes flying around in a spaceship, and one of them says, uh, "What's our remaining travel time, Colonel Tomorrow?" And I thought, Colonel Tomorrow—that's a stupid name. Who, you know, who is this guy? Well, as it turns out, this is actually Tommy Tomorrow and his gang of dudes. The I think they're the Planeteers, something like that. I really know like absolutely nothing about Tommy Tomorrow. I've heard of him. May have read a story or two with him that I have completely forgotten. I know that when after the crisis happened, he was basically retconned out of existence, and Commandy became basically took his place in time or something like something to that effect. Um, Anyway, what happens is the this comet passes through both of these realities or both of these time. time eras at the same point and it causes the justice league satellite to go all wonky briefly and it actually latches on to tommy tomorrow's spaceship and pulls it through time back a hundred million years bc back to the age of the dinosaurs and they're all freaked out by this you know what's going on they end up battling some pterodactyls and stuff before their ship finally crashes into the prime primeval world and for some reason that's never adequately explained in this story um tommy gets the idea that their only way home since they were dragged there by the comet is they've got to go find the comet in the meantime we're shown in gotham city and i'm not sure why they chose gotham city for this but we'll just kind of go with it in gotham city uh, there's a bunch of people waiting around for the subway to come, and instead of a subway, a uh, triceratops shows up to scare the piss out of everybody. And then in Tokyo, they're being attacked by a gorgosaurus. Um, I think that's made up. Anyway, back up on the Justice League satellite. Hawkman's all freaking out and everything because he sees all these dinosaurs on the loose all over his trouble alert screen and he decides, well, I got to go battle this menace Um, and he elects, he basically elects on the spot Captain Comet to be an honorary member of the uh, Justice League of America. Now, if that were me, I'd be like, all right, that's, that's pretty awesome, but he elects him for the sole purpose of, all right, now you stay here on monitor duty. That sucks, dude. Plus, not to mention the fact that I would argue that Captain Comet is a hell of a lot more powerful and useful than Hawkman. Now, I am I'm was joking about dissing Hawkman before, but seriously, Captain Comet, he's a pretty powerful dude. I mean, he has a, a full range of powers, both physical and like psychic blasts and stuff like that. He's a pretty mega powerful guy. You're going to leave that guy on monitor duty and have the guy that basically flies, you know, and, and swings a mace go battle dinosaurs. It just doesn't seem very practical, but I don't know. Hawkman, I think, is a bit of a glory hog anyway. But anyway, that's what happens. He he leaves Captain Comet behind. Captain Comet, in the meantime, is uh, clicking through the various channels of the Trouble Alert, and he sees a guy that he does not recognize. It's actually Kronos, the time thief, battling, or he thinks he's battling, a Brontosaurus. This is before they changed the name to Brachiosaurus. Battling a Brontosaurus, in another screen, <laughs> this one really cracked me up. We've got Aquaman and Green Lantern in the mid-Pacific. Green Lantern doing all the work. He, they're battling, I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be a plesiosaur, although it looks a little bit funny. Um, but you've got Green Lantern uh, basically clamping a, uh, like a collar, like a uh, muzzle on this dinosaur under the sea. Aquaman riding a big whale and pumping his fist in the air. So Aquaman, not a whole lot of use in this part. In Tokyo... Now, this is not the same monster that uh, they said was attacking Tokyo before. This one looks more like a traditional T-Rex. You've got the flash spinning circles around its midsection while Superman's bopping it in the head, which is pretty cool. And then in New York City, you've got Wonder Woman and Black Canary are lassoing uh, uh, what do you call them pterodactyls as they fly around. I don't know what this building's supposed to be. It's too small to be the Empire State Building. So everybody, you know, all the Justice Leaguers are out there. They're all battling dinosaurs. Back 100 million years BC, we see this uh, big Tyrannosaurus Rex come walking up on that mysterious meteor, and the closer he gets, suddenly he starts to mutate, and he actually mutates into this (laughs) this just freaky-looking dude. He's basically a humanoid guy. He still retains his big old dinosaur tail, but now he's got uh, yellow boots, he's got a blue bodysuit, and he says, I... I am Tyrannorex, and this is my god, as he hoists hoists the uh, meteor up over his head. Now, obviously, um, this meteor, (laughs) it really does the trick. I mean, it gave him clothes, it mutated him into a now humanoid shape, but it also implies that somehow this Tyrannosaurus Rex that was tromping around 100 million years ago was somehow aware that it was actually called a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But for the sake of the story, we'll, we'll just kind of run with it. In the meantime, Tommy Tomorrow and this scientist dude. Now, the scientist dude's all freaked out because they were actually on a mission. They were supposed to be going to the planet Vega 4 uh, in this scientist guy that they're transporting there is some super doctor whiz guy and he's they're taking him there so that he can cure a space fever plague that's breaking out on this planet or whatever so all he does through the entire story is bitch at tommy tomorrow that you know we got to get back to our mission got to get back to our mission all these people are going to die you know somebody needed to slap this guy and say dude We're a hundred million years in the past, you know, nothing's happening back on Vega four until we get back to our own time. You know, we can get back before we even left if we want to, you know, so chill out, but nobody does. They all stress, you know, for the same thing that all these people are going to die. They need to get back. So, you know, still it's time travel stories like that always irritate me a little bit where people are stressing about things that actually aren't moving forward at all because you're back in time. So it's kind of silly. Anyway, they're roaming around. They get attacked by dinosaurs and everything. And so they're on the run, all Jurassic Park style. When they run right into Tyrannorex. <laughs> Tyrannorex. Now he's actually set up an altar. God knows where he got the materials to make all this stuff from. But he's actually constructed a little dinosaur altar. He's got the, uh, the meteor sitting on top of it. And he's actually praising his god. While in the meantime, this... It actually looks more like a TV screen or something is showing all these scenes of the far-flung future. Of course, it's the far-flung future, you know, only up to nineteen seventy-seven. Nothing more advanced than that. And these guys come across him, and they're like, "Hey, what's going on?" And he realizes, uh, Tyrannorex does realizes right away that they've come there for the meteor. So he sicks a whole herd of dinosaurs on these guys. Tommy Tomorrow whips out. I kid you not. This is what it's called in the story. His space gun, and starts mowing down dinosaurs. And he's hoping to himself that uh, you know his gun holds out, uh, you know, while these all these dinosaurs are attacking. That the power supply in his gun holds out, so they can get away. Back in 1977. Captain Comet's had enough of just sitting around on monitor duty watching all this stuff going on. And he starts to figure out as he's watching the trouble alerts that the guy that he couldn't identify before, which again is Kronos, might actually be causing all this stuff. So he actually leaves the satellite, leaves monitor duty to go lend a hand in this battle. I say good for him. Now, this is going to you know, come up later in the story that he just kind of bailed on monitor duty. But I say good for him, you know, I mean, you're too powerful to just stand around on monitor duty. You know, that's a job for, I don't know, like Zatanna or something. So he flies down to, I forget what city, it doesn't really matter. He flies down to where Kronos is and they team up together to battle this Brontosaurus. And I think this was pretty vicious for 1977. You've got Chrono shoots, he calls them his watch hands, which is pretty silly. But he shoots these little like arrow looking things. They bounce off the brontosaurus completely harmlessly. So Captain Comet snaps up something. And I'm not sure what this is supposed to be. I guess a flagpole or something. It just just appears in his hands in one panel. So I'm not sure exactly what it is. But this is a long pole. Jams it down the dinosaur's throat. Presumably into its brain. And kills it. And I'm like. Jesus, and it's shown pretty graphically in this story. So I think for a for a comic, you know, ab- ostensibly for kids, in 1977, that's pretty gruesome stuff. So I like that. I thought that was cool. So they team up, and next a pair of Stegosauri uh, come out of the time portal, and they battle these guys, and they get them to fight each other, and so it's pretty cool. And then Comet realizes that this time portal thing he's got to shut it down. So he goes over and he starts using his brain whammy powers on that and then that's when Kronos reveals his true dirty self. He wants the comet. He was actually, that's what this story is all about. He's the one that drew this comet through time intending to bring it to himself in 1977 but something happened and the comet just continued to plummet backwards in time until it arrived you know, way back in 100 million BC. So Kronos whipped up this time portal so that he could just basically reach in i guess and and pull the comet out i'm not sure what's he opened the portal but then it never really explains well what's going on with the portal he opened it but then he didn't go through it so i don't know was he waiting for a dinosaur to bring it to him or something? i have no idea but anyway they get in a great big fight uh chronos and captain comet do about closing this portal and it's some really dynamic stuff i mean rich buckler hell of an artist anyway but he really outdoes himself with some great great fight scenes here of kronos and captain comet just totally duking it out with each other and captain comet finally gets the other the upper hand rather and starts to use his mind to close up the portal back in the prehistoric past Tommy Tomorrow and that doctor guy, they're still on the run. They've got a T-Rex chasing them when all of a sudden Tommy's gun is out of power. But it shows in another panel that he's, he's suddenly he, I guess he's supposed to be slapping in a new power supply or a special kind of power supply, something. And he zaps the T-Rex and the T-Rex actually (laughs) explodes. So it doesn't really explain what that was all about i don't know if it was like a one-time last-ditch use of the power pack or something after that he holsters his gun so i kind of get the feeling that that was like the the last mega burst or something like that they finally make it back to the ship and i really liked this i felt very proud of myself that there's a panel at the top of page 23 as tommy and the doctor are ducking back into their ship and uh one of his uh, compatriots, this guy Brent, sticks his head out. He says, Tommy. And Tommy says, no time for space chatter, Brent. The neighborhood welcoming committee is right behind us, and we're moving out. And it shows these dinosaurs, and it shows a couple of uh, pterodactyls, a tyrannosaurus rex, and a woolly mammoth. And I thought, wait a minute. I don't think... Well, two panels later, Brent says... Maybe my dinosaur history's off, Tommy, but I don't think all those varieties lived at the same time, so I was both proud of myself for spotting that before the character actually commented on it, and then I was very pleased that the character commented on it because otherwise I would have been like, okay, you know, this guy, you know, the writer, with all apologies to Bob Razakis, would not have been doing his homework very well. So I like that he acknowledged in this story that he was just basically throwing in anything from the prehistoric world just, you know, for the sake of. A fun dinosaur story. uh, So I could forgive that. That was a lot of fun. It's not explained at all in the story, but at least it's acknowledged that, you know, we're not talking historical accuracy here by any stretch of the imagination. So Tommy and his guys, they're back in the ship and they decide, all right, that's it. They're going to split. They're out of here. So they lift off in their spaceship and their spaceship, by the way, is a very pretty much traditional flying saucer looking spaceship. And probably my favorite moment of the book, as far as just pure wackiness in a story that has been pretty damn wacky so far, is he tells his guys that they've got to get the scoop ready. That they're gonna basically what they're gonna do, they're gonna make a a, a run for the uh, the time portal. They're just gonna go all out and try to get there. They can see that it's closing, so they're gonna get there as fast as they can and try to beat the portal closing and get through it back to their wherever it goes to and so he wants to use this scoop to scoop up the meteorite or the comet whatever the hell it is on their way out and I thought hmm, I wonder what that's going to look like I'm thinking like tractor beam or something no it is pretty much your standard you know think of like a Bugs Bunny cartoon or something it's this giant arm this giant like hinged arm scoop thing that comes out of the bottom of their ship and actually just like grabs up the comet as they're flying by. There's no way in the world, looking at this picture, that that arm fits inside this little dinky spaceship that they're flying. So it's completely cartoony, ridiculous, but it's also awesome at the same time. I mean, you just look at this thing and go, how the hell does that fit back inside that ship that they're flying? So they fly off. And, uh, Tyrannorex is pissed that they've snapped up his god. So he leaps into the air, grabs up onto the arm as it's retracting into the ship and actually hides inside. And the spaceship, you know, Tommy's spaceship, we see it duck into the, uh, into the time portal. And it's weird because this time portal is not your typical just, you know, you fly through the portal and you emerge on the other side. It's actually more like, a once they get into it, it's more like a time tunnel. And because of what Captain Comet is doing on the other side, it's constricting. So the tunnel is getting narrower and narrower. In the meantime, while this is going on, uh, Tyrannorex is loose inside Tommy's ship and he's tearing into all of Tommy's uh, men. And so the doctor, the scientist guy runs to Tommy and he's begging him, you know, come help us, come help us. You know, you got to help us battle this dinosaur. He's going to kill everybody. And Tommy's like, I can't. i got to fly the goddamn ship. So there's some really nice dynamic panels by Buckler of, you know, Tommy sweating at the controls and, you know, gripping the, the control grips, you know, with a tight fist and everything, trying to, you know, keep the ship on course as this corridor that they're flying through gets narrower and narrower And in the meantime, you know, it's interspersed with these panels of Tyrannorex just tearing the hell out of everybody. And he actually chomps down at one point on that scientist's arm. Looks like he almost chews his arm right off, which is pretty cool. And all this is going on. Back in 1977, we see uh, Captain Comet really laying it on. When suddenly he sees this futuristic spacecraft emerging. So he stops what he's doing and he actually helps, you know, again using his mental powers to lower the ship safely to the ground. It gets to the ground. Everybody comes out and Tyrannorex, you know, he's on a tear and, uh, you know, cursing everybody out and everything. And Kronos awakes and says, that's my comet." So then the two of them are battling each other. Kronos fires off more of his darts and I'm not sure what he was intending to do, but what he actually does is he strikes the comet itself, blowing it into a million pieces. So now it's not any good to anybody. And again, one of the sillier aspects of the story, I actually hate stories that do this sort of thing. As soon as the comet's destroyed... Everything reverts back to the way it was before. Tyrannorex reverts back into just your average, mindless, giant Tyrannosaurus Rex, which, you know, starts tearing around the city and everything. I don't know. I, those kind of things always bug me when the story does that. That as soon as you defeat, you know, whatever Menace X is, that everything that they affected kind of returns to normal. I don't know why that bugs me. It just does. It works in like, say, like a vampire story. You know, you kill the head vampire, all the half vampires return to life kind of thing. But in any other story, it drives me a little bit nuts. So anyway, so now they've got to contend with this giant you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex. So Tommy Tomorrow and his guys, they're zapping it with their guns, trying to distract it while Captain Comet flies down, grabs it by the tail. And I like this. He actually makes a reference to Superman. He goes, now I'm going to make like Superman, even though I've only got a tenth of his power. And he lifts up the dinosaur by the tail, swings it around, and flings it into the time portal. And, of course, that causes the time portal to also close, uh... Again, I have no idea why that causes it to close, but it does. Throwing the dinosaur back through it the other way closes the time portal. You know, I just thought of something. It never explains what happened to all the other dinosaurs. I don't know if they just suddenly you know, disappear or now they're in some zoo somewhere. I have no idea. It does not explain that in this story. Great panel of... Uh, who is it here? Oh, it's actually Tommy Tomorrow reaching out and snagging... Kronos by the cape as he's running away, which I can just imagine. He actually, Kronos says, Let me go. Instead, he should be going. Because it, you know, it's around his neck. Drags him backwards, socks him in the back of the head, and then hands him over to Captain Comic. Epilogue: Back on the Justice League satellite. And who shows up? Superman. It's awesome. Superman by Rich Buckler. Superman shows up. And he shows up pretty much for the purposes of saying, hey, I can send you guys back to where you need to go. Actually, Superman does uh, address the doctor bitching. I forgot about this. Because, again, they're all sitting around on the satellite. And instead of congratulating themselves on a job well done and everything, what is Tommy's guys doing? They're bitching about the plague on Vega 4. Superman pipes up and says, Actually, you've got 80 years before the space fever breakout, but I'll get you there fast. So, you know, Superman is reminding these dudes that, Duh, you're in the past. Nothing's happening back in your time until you get there, okay? Shut up about it. I like that. So... Everything's pretty much wrapped up uh, pretty tightly. You know, Superman agrees to uh, whisk these guys back to their own time. And in the very last three panels, (laughs) you've got Captain Comet. For some reason, he's kind of wandered off on his own. And Hawkman actually chases him down. And he says, "Uh, Captain, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't I leave you here on monitor duty before? (laughs) And Captain Comet says, that you did, Hawkman. And I handled it quite well. If I do say so myself, and Hawkman says, except that you left the satellite to battle the dinosaurs. Would you mind explaining how you could accomplish both tasks at the same time? And we actually get the classic comic book, you know, the character winking at us, the reader, when he says, why Hawkman, dear bird? Surely, surely, rather, the solution is clear. Obviously, I never left. I wouldn't shirk my responsibility. So he lies. Talk, man, at the end of the story, and that's how it wraps up. You know, for all its silly, goofy-ass wackiness, I dug this story. I actually dug it quite a lot. The villain is completely ridiculous. There are vast leaps in logic and a lot of stuff in here that just leaves you scratching your head going, Huh? What? Huh? But, again, I got a big kick out of it. I would like to know what happened to the dinosaurs in this story. I wonder if that was ever followed up on anywhere else. Probably not. But it, it'd be interesting to think that, you know, in the in the Gotham City Zoo, they actually had a triceratops, you know, something like that. But I seriously doubt that this story was ever referenced anywhere else. But uh, I know I got this comic. I'm pretty sure it was at the very last of those uh, Atlanta comic conventions that I went to uh, before I moved to Florida. And as I'm typically a very cheap bastard when it comes to back issues, I'm pretty sure I didn't pay more than, I don't know, I'm I'm thinking like a buck, maybe two bucks at most. Although again, I usually don't spend more than like a dollar on back issues at those things unless it's like, you know, some super old, rare, you know, obscure thing that I've just got to track down for whatever reason. But typically at those things, you know, I'm going for like the 50 cent bins or whatever. I'm pretty sure I paid more than 50 cents, but I don't think I paid more than two bucks. But... I sought this out strictly because it was uh, it was Rich Buckler and it was referenced, I can't remember where, it was referenced in something I read and I think it was referenced because Captain Comet was in it. I think maybe it tied into when he was in, um, what you call it, Secret Society of Supervillains at the time, which was a title I liked a lot and I liked Captain Comet in that title. So I think it was referenced there probably just as a, uh, you know, I'm fresh off this other adventure type of thing, you know, something like that. It wasn't referenced as far as, you know, the story being important somewhere else. I think it was referenced just the fact that, you know, for more Captain Comet, you know, check out this other book type of thing. But I'm glad I picked it up. I'm glad I read it. I got a real kick out of it. If nothing else, the art is uh, is awesome in this. And I, I do dig Captain Comet. I, you know, he's one of those characters that, I think today, you know, he's probably largely forgotten, but he's a, he's a character that I think could be brought back, dusted off and and made to be cool again, because in this time, you know, he had just come back, you know, and again, he was in Secret Society where he was pretty much the, the lone regular hero of that book in a book that was really about supervillains. And uh and I liked him in that. I thought he was a, a very enjoyable character in that. I liked his power set and uh and he was just an interesting guy, so I'm not sure what, if anything, is going on with him today, but <clears throat> excuse me, I got a kick out of this. I thought it was a really really fun book. If you see it around, you know, pick it up. It was uh again, this is DC special number twenty-seven. A lot of fun. I think you'd get a kick out of it. So that's it for uh for this week. And uh, again, I apologize that uh, we've had a bit of a lapse. I will try my darndest to get regular episodes out, um, you know, as regularly as uh, humanly possible. If you got a kick out of this solo effort, let me know. Um, if there's something I need to do differently or what, you know, whatever your opinions are of it, contact me. Let me know. You know, you can send us email at uh, backtothebins at gmail.com. You can message me on Facebook. Um, you can come to our forum at forumforgeeks.com and uh, we have a forum there two true freaks does there is an official back to the bins thread where you can leave uh comments and suggestions and criticisms and you know whatever else but again like i say let me know what you think of this because i have i seriously i don't know if i'm any good at this solo podcasting thing um, I can certainly sit here and run my mouth, but whether that makes for an entertaining listen or not, I have no idea. Cause I like it better when I have somebody to bounce off of. Cause you know, if, if you get a laugh out of somebody right away, then you know, it was good. If you, you know, you get dead air, then, you know, oh, I got to change it up and do something different. Sitting here talking to myself. I have no idea. I amuse myself, but do I amuse you? I have no clue. So write me, let me know. Lastly. If you would please, and I'm begging everybody to do this on on all of the regular shows that I appear on, I'm really serious about this. As you listen to this show or any Two True Freaks affiliated show, or for that matter, you know any podcast that's out there, give them a plug. You know, go to your favorite social media, you know, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you use, Google Plus, whatever the thing is that you're into. And just, you know, a quick little thing. Hey, I'm listening to episode such and such of, you know, such and such podcast. Let people know that you're listening to these shows, you know? And if somebody writes to you, you know, your your friends, your neighbors, your grandmother, whoever and says, oh, "Why, what is back to the bins?" you know take a moment to let them know hey you know you can find it over here it's a show about you know random old back issue comics you know something like that it spreads the word it is basically all it does but still i still believe word of mouth is the number one way to uh to get the word out there about what we do you know podcasts and everything and uh we just we're just looking to to grow our listenership so i would really appreciate it and uh please uh <laughs> Post those things up there. I want to see more people uh, mentioning, you know, the shows that they're listening to and what. So I appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening. And again, uh, contact me in some way. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Talk to you later, guys. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to our show. And we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at thebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.2truefreaks.libson.com